Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred Keith, Episode 21 What's that? What's that? cried a chorus of young voices as Mrs. Keith and her little troop, returning from their morning stroll, stepped into the front porch at home. What indeed, echoed the mother, as much surprised as any one of the others. It looks very like a box of goods, but where could it come from? Aunt Wealthy, suggested Mildred, examining it with a curious eye. Ah, so you have come back at last, eh, said Mr. Keith, coming out with a smiling face. That's been waiting for you for over an hour, consulting his watch. Come, let's have dinner, and then we'll see what's inside. Is it ready, asked Mrs. Keith, taking off her bonnet. Yes, barely time for the washing of small hands and faces, he said, picking up Annis and racing off to the nursery with her. For so they called the room where the little ones slept and were dressed and undressed, though but a small part of the day was ordinarily spent there. There was no lingering over the dinner table, though the meal was a good one, and the children's appetites had been sufficiently keen until they saw the box. They ate and drank with dispatch, taking time for but little talk beyond a few conjectures as to its probable contents. Father and mother certainly shared their curiosity and eagerness to some extent, and did not keep them waiting long. A few minutes' work with the hatchet and the lid was off. "'Just newspapers!' cried Don in a tone of bitter disappointment. "'Wait a bit, laddie,' laughed Rupert. "'Something else under, I guess,' said Cyril, while father, mother, and Mildred made haste to lift and lay aside the papers for further perusal, for newspapers were too rare in those days to be despised, even though some weeks old. "'Books! Oh, delightful! How good and kind in her!' "'Now we'll have a feast!' exclaimed one and another in varying tones of gladness. "'What are they? Let us see,' said Mr. Keith, proceeding to lift them out one or two at a time, and with a glance at the titles on the backs, handing them to wife, son, or daughter. "'Cooper's Naval History of the United States. There, that will particularly interest you, Rupert. And here are his novels, which Mother and Mildred will enjoy. Scott's works also, those for older folks, and his tales of a grandfather for the children. Two more little books, Anna Ross and Ruth Lee. Oh, they look pretty, cried Zilla and Ada, peeping in these last. Dunalan, for me, oh, how glad I am, exclaimed Mildred the next instant. Here's a bundle, said Mr. Keith, handing it out. Remnants, I presume, his wife said laughingly, and opening it, found her surmise correct. Groceries, candies, and toys for the children, and some few other miscellaneous articles filled up the rest of this most welcome box. Dear old auntie, she shouldn't have wasted so much of her money on us, Mrs. Keith said, with tears in her eyes, as she glanced over a note pinned to a dress pattern for herself. But she says she has enjoyed it intensely, and I know that is so. Forgiving especially to us is her greatest delight. 
Yes, there's never was a more generous soul, assented her husband. Ah, oh, if we could only do something for her in return, exclaimed Mildred. Yes, indeed. What a feast she has provided us, cried Rupert, taking a peep here and there into the history. Mother, can't we begin on them this afternoon? I'm not ready for Mr. Lord, objected Mildred, and in an hour it will be time to go to him. That reminded the lad that he too had a lesson to prepare, and he left the room to attend to it. Wife, said Mr. Keith, do you know that little Mary Chetwood is seriously ill? No, I did not. I'll put on my bonnet and go over there at once. Mother, said Mildred, I've been thinking it would be nice to lend one of these books to Effie Prescott. I do not know her at all intimately, but Claudina says she is very intelligent and fond of reading, and in such poor health that she is often too miserably weak and ill to do anything but read. Certainly, she must have the reading of every book in the house if she wishes, and will not abuse them. Claudina says she is always very careful of those she lends out, lends her, and very glad to get them. She's a lovely Christian, too, and very patient under her trials. Yes, I have been pleased with the little I have seen of her. I believe I owe Mrs. Prescott a call, so I shall take their house on my way to the squares and carry a book with me. Mrs. Keith found Mrs. Prescott out the invalid girl lying back in a large rocking chair, and Demarius Drybread seated in her accustomed bolt upright fashion directly opposite. At sight of Mrs. Keith, Effie started up in nervous haste and trepidation to offer her hand and then a chair. Never mind, dear child, I will help myself, said the lady, pressing the trembling hand tenderly in hers. How are you today? About as usual, thank you, which is neither very sick nor very well, the girl answered with a faint smile, sinking back again, breathing short and hard. Now don't talk so, you look very well, remarked Miss Drybread in a cold, hard tone. Just make up your mind that there's nothing much the matter and you're not going to give up to the hypo. And ten to one, it won't be long till you find yourself well enough tears sprang to Effie's eyes, for she was both nervous and sensitive to the last degree. I know I look well, she said. I'm not thin, and I have a good collar, but it's often brightest when I feel the worst, and I've tried to believe my sickness was all imagination, but I can't. It's too real. No, Effie, you do not look well, said Mrs. Keith. That brilliant bloom hardly belongs to health, and your eyes are heavy. Your countenance is distressed. Of course she'll wear a distressed countenance as long as she imagines she's sick, observed the schoolma'am severely. And you, Mrs. Keith, are only making matters worse by talking in that way. Not so, said the sick girl. Such kind sympathy does me good. Oh, thank you a thousand times, as Mrs. Keith put Donalon into her hands. I shall enjoy it so much, and will be very careful of it, and return it soon. I read it years ago and liked it exceedingly, and it will be new to me now. Grace Kennedy is such a sweet writer. What a pity she died so early. A novel sniffed Damaris. If you are really sick, you oughtn't to read anything but the Bible. The teachings of this book are so fully in accord with those of the scriptures that I cannot think it will hurt her, said Mrs. Keith. I love the Bible, said Effie. I never could do without it. Its words often come to me when I am sad and suffering and are sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. 
but reading other good books seems like talking with a Christian friend and refreshes me in the same way. At this moment, Mrs. Prescott came in and greeting the two callers with a pleasant good afternoon, sat down to chat with them. The talk presently turned upon their gardens, and Mrs. Prescott invited the visitors to walk out and look at hers. Mrs. Keith accepted the invitation, but Miss Drybread said she would just sit with Effie till they came back. "'Aren't you teaching now, Miss Damaris?' asked the girl as the others left the room. "'No, I've closed my school for a couple of weeks to do my spring sewing. It was kind of you to take time to call to see me when you are always so busy.' I try to attend to every duty, returned the schoolma'am with a sanctimonious air, and, a, and I felt that I had a duty to perform here. I've been thinking a good deal about you, Effie, trying to find out why your afflictions are sent, and I've concluded that it says a punishment for your sins, and that when you repent and reform, your health will be better. You know, Christians, and I really hope you're one. I know you belong to the church, won't have any punishment in the other world, so they have to take it in this, and so as I said, I've been considering about you, and I think if you thought better of Brother Smith, enjoyed his sermons and prayers and talks in the meetings, it would be better for you. He's a good Christian, so you'd ought to like what he says and be his friend with other folks that isn't inclined to listen to him. He may be a Christian, I hope he is, returned Effie though it is very difficult for me to realize that a man has much true love to Christ and for souls when his tone and manner are utterly indifferent and businesslike, or perhaps that isn't quite the right word, for men generally show some interest in their business. Besides, it requires other things in addition to conversion to fit a man for teaching. He must have knowledge and the ability to impart it. I have nothing against Mr. Smith personally, but he does not instruct me, does not give me any food for thought, or help me on my way to heaven, so I have felt it my duty to object to having him become my pastor. But I haven't been going about slandering him, and don't know why you come and talk to me in this way. It strikes me, too, that you are the last person to do it, as I have heard you say far harder things of other ministers than ever I have said of him. An angry flush rose in the sallow cheek of the spinster at that. I've tried to do my duty always, she said, bridling. I've never indulged in any vanities of dress, but that's been one of your sins, Effie Prescott. Bows and even flowers and feathers on your bonnets and knots of bright ribbon at your throat and in your hair. It's sinful, and you may depend you'll be afflicted till you'll give up and be consistent in all things. I know better than you can tell me that I deserve all I suffer and a great deal more, said the girl, humbly, tears gathering in her eyes. But for all that, I don't believe you are right. You are a Job's comforter, and God reproved those men for talking so to him. And don't you remember what Jesus said about trying to take the mote out of your brother's eye while there is a beam in your own? I see it's time for me to go, said Demarius, rising. She stood a moment looking at Effie, her lips compressed, her face white, and her eyes ablaze with rage. There's no Christian about you, she hissed. You don't like faithful dealing. You don't want to be told of your sins. Very well, miss, I wash my hands of you. I shake off the dust of my feet against you. And with arms folded on her breast and head erect, she stalked out of the house, leaving the invalid girl quivering from head to foot with nervous excitement and distress crying and laughing hysterically. Oh dear, oh dear, she sighed to herself. I haven't behaved in a Christian manner. I was angry at what she said. 
Mrs. Prescott and Mrs. Keith were strolling in from the garden, chatting pleasantly of their domestic affairs, when an infant's screams were heard coming from a back room. "'There, my baby is awake and calling for her mother,' said Mrs. Prescott. "'Please excuse me a minute. Just step into the parlor again and talk with Effie.' Mrs. Keith complied and found Effie alone, lying back in her chair, trembling, flushed, and tearful. "'My poor child, are you suffering very much?' she asked, bending over her and smoothing her hair with a caressing motion. "'No, ma'am, I'm not worse. Only it was something that Demarius said, and that I didn't take it quite as I ought.' Oh, Mrs. Keith, do you think God sends sickness to punish us for our sins, and that my health is poor because I am more wicked than anybody who is well? Certainly not. I have excellent health as a general thing, while many an eminent saint has been a great sufferer. We know that sin brought disease and death into the world. As to the idea that the Christian bears any part of the penalty of his sins, atoning for them by his own suffering or his works, or in any other way, either in this life or the next, it is totally unscriptural. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Oh, thank you so much, so very much, she exclaimed, looking up gratefully. What wonderful love his was, and who would not be willing to bear any suffering to be made like unto him? That is unquestionably a Christian spirit, said Mrs. Keith. None but those who have felt the burden of sin and learned to hunger and thirst after righteousness know that ardent desire for conformity to his image. You make my heart glad, cried the girl. Damaris just told me there was no Christian about me, and I am often afraid there isn't. Yet I do love Jesus, and desire his love more than anything else. I want to do and suffer all his holy will. Little Mary Chetwood, a sweet child of six, was the only daughter except Claudina, and coming after some half-dozen boys naturally became, from the first, a great pet and darling, made much of by parents' sister and brothers. Yet she was not a spoiled child. She had been taught obedience, religiously trained, and not indulged to her hurt. Love and wise indulgence do no harm, but quite the contrary. While harshness, a dearth of affection, and undue severity have ruined many a one for time and eternity. Mrs. Keith found the Chetwoods a distressed household, for though the little girl had been but two days ill, such was the balance of the attack that it was already apparent that there was small hope of recovery. This is kind, whispered Mrs. Chetwood, pressing her friend's hand, while tears coursed down her cheeks. The darling won't be tended by anybody but mother, father, or sister, but your very presence is a comfort. I should have been here sooner, but did not know of her illness till this afternoon. Mrs. Keith responded in the same subdued key. If I can be of any use, I will take off my bonnet and stay. It is perfectly convenient. The offer was gratefully accepted, a note dispatched to Mildred, entrusting the children at home to her care, till such time as her mother could be of no more service at the squares, and Mrs. Keith's gentle ministries in the sick room began. Her quiet movements, her thoughtfulness, quick comprehension, and fertility of resource made her invaluable at such a time, then came sooner than was expected. Day was just breaking when, with her head on the bosom of her who gave her birth, the little one gently breathed her last. In all the trying scenes that followed, Mr. and Mrs. Keith and Mildred were most kind, helpful, and sympathizing, and the ties of Christian friendship were thus more closely drawn than ever between the two. 
families. The bereaved family found their home sadly desolated, but there was no murmuring against the hand that dealt the butlow. The language of their hearts was, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic.